An exciting week all around indie ball from attendance to all stars. You don't want to miss this week's episode of the Indie Ball Report podcast. Back again, episode number 227 of the Indie Ball Report podcast. I'm Nick. He's Ryan. He's going to be here. He's on a, He's on like one of those Billy Joel residencies or a Vegas residency. I did refer to myself as the co-host on Twitter the other day, and I did feel like that might have been a little bit forward. So I, I can say I have a residency. I can cope with that. I mean, you're definitely working. It's kind of like one of those programs where like, they get you as an intern, and then they slowly integrate you, and they're like, hey, we can pay him less. Yeah. Now he's interned here. He'll probably take a hometown discount just so he doesn't have to hit the job market. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. I've, I've been on that both sides of that. That's why we used to always say about my high school. It's like, if you go back there, you're going for the uh, alumni price. 5000 less than you're worth. Yeah, exactly. Uh, how fun is to live in a country that takes advantage of the people of less? Hey. Anyway, where were we? <laughs> what we were talking about was we have <laughs> Quebec news. We have all sorts of other news that we're here to talk about independently baseball. Yeah, that's probably what I should probably stick to. I mean, just based on what happens every time I go off the uh, off reservation with that kind of thing. Um, it gets a little tense a little bit quick. Yeah, but it's a lot less fun when you stick to what you should be doing. And think, look around exactly us. Right. There's other sport podcasts in our neck of the woods that don't stay on topic. So why should we stay on topic? I haven't even tried it once. I mean, I talk about trying. I try to try, but I haven't actually legitimately tried. So I'm glad that that's welcomed here. I appreciate that about you. Yeah, well, we're a very welcoming and inclusive environment. That's why we have happy hour <laughs> as we record. I'm glad we're openly addressing that now. It's good. It is. I mean, it is Thirsty Thursday as we record. So, I mean, realistically, we're just in the indie ball spirit. Hell, if we were going to talk... Like I don't need to... I just feel like I don't need to worry about, like, the ice cube jingling thing. I'm like, is this on the down low or not? So, I appreciate that. I'll do my best to not make it evident, but, you know, not the end of the world. Hey, look, we're talking about the jackals today. We got we to gotta drink mm-hmm. as we do this. It fits the jackal aesthetic. Bro, I'm trying to be nice. It's not going well, but I'm trying. Yeah, but now we have a good segue into talking about the NorthJersey.com article. Mm-hmm. So, Let's talk about it. Yeah. So, again, we'll try not to be... Well, Ryan will try not to be too harsh. I don't really care either way. But... <laughs> well, I want them to do well. Like, I genuinely do. Yeah, it's one, it's one does, of those things. I've said it with the Atlantic League a ton. It's I want it to do well. And that's sometimes why I feel like maybe I am a little harsh or a little cutting on it. Because it, it's there's so many... I do feel like it's also in similar. It's a good one to one actually with the Atlantic because I feel like they're so close to getting it right, and they just are almost in, seemingly intentionally going the wrong way with how consistently they go the wrong way. Yeah, see, and I think that's the perfect way to start this off is with our kind of blanket disclosure that we do every time we talk about teams that aren't in great positions and leagues that aren't in great positions, which is we're very acutely aware of the general operations of teams and leagues and we understand how one doing poorly looks on the whole landscape as a whole and the also individual impact on people in the front office, the players, the coaches, the people that are generally involved with the organization as a whole. We're aware of that. You want them to do well. Them doing well is good for the whole landscape. It's good for all the people involved. Hell, it's honestly good for us because when leagues and teams are doing better, we have more to talk about. 
a team failing only gives us a little bit of a period to talk about. And yeah, it's probably a little bit more juicy, a little bit more gossipy, but it's better off if they're doing good. If they're doing well, then we're overall as a whole doing better. So with that general preface there, we're not rooting for them to fail or rooting for some sort of calamity, but it it's impossible sometimes to not mention that, especially when you have a fairly large regional newspaper writing an article on this. And when you have the owner giving some, uh, I think we'll call them questionable quotes to the New York times. Um, it, it becomes yeah, a news. Fair. <laughs> yeah. And I'll say before we hop into, I mean, as somebody who was very recently in a front office that was then gutted because the team basically was not financially viable mm-hmm. and who has worked in other front offices and around other front offices. I can say like, we're not, you know, jabbing at anybody, you know, really ground level in that front office. It, it's probably, probably just about anybody in that front office knows things are not going well. You know, even if they're an optimist, they're probably like, yeah, this isn't great. Nobody's blindly like, Oh yeah, this is perfect. It's how we want to be. Um, you know, whether or not there's an attitude at times of, you know, this is good enough, which is like the most toxic idea. I don't really know. I don't know that front office like that, but usually these front offices that of a struggling team have some people who are like, Hey, good enough. And other people who know very much, this is not good enough and they want it to be better, but they lack the ability to, you know, you can't overhaul everything. So uh, again, if you're listening to this and you're from that front office, you know, somebody from that front office, and you're like, Hey, they're not, you know, they're good. They're, they're good people. They know what they're doing. I'm, I'm sure they are. And I am not advocating for any sort of big thing that would cause anyone to lose their job. I just went through that. I wouldn't want that. Um, but cause I've heard a little bit like, Hey man, like this people's jobs. I'm like, Hey, we're not saying that anyone should lose their job, but we're saying like, this is the situation. It is, if nothing else, reporting on the news and trying to talk about how it could be better. Exactly. It's just a matter of pointing out how things are and things aren't always good. I mean, when things are good and they're running smoothly, it typically doesn't get mentioned unless you're a model franchise. In the case of, I think we call Long Island a pretty model franchise for all their, for the faults they have. That's a well-ran organization that is efficient Mm -hmm. in what they do. And I even put like a, a group like say Quebec in there too. They seem to be pretty well-ran as well. So, you know, the real outliers, the truly great ones and the ones that are, you know, kind of struggling or going through a rough patch are going to get the most attention. The middle group never really gets spotted because they're just, you know, they're doing what you kind of expect. And that doesn't really mean anything. Uh, I shouldn't say it doesn't mean anything. It just doesn't make the news. It's nothing really noteworthy, I suppose. Exactly. It's not a headline maker. And that's because usually the things that make someone successful and a team successful isn't headline grabbing stuff. Exactly. Just it's the small stuff, doing the small stuff right. Exactly. And that's also why if it seems like we're nitpicking ever, this isn't just now but at any time, a lot of times it's because it is the small things that make the big things go right. Exactly. And so when you have big things such as in the Jackals case, attendance falling about forty five percent in the course of a season and being about five hundred fewer than the next closest team attendance wise we're going to mention that. And when you're currently sitting at an average of 611 people per home game, only about 600 better than the Grazer drawing a game. It's yeah. not, uh, things have clearly hit a rough patch. Yes. I think that's fair to say. Yeah. I mean, the league average for those, just to give some context is about 2000, a little over 2000 a game. Now, in fairness to that number, 
the real number is probably lower. That's going off of the yep. Frontier League site, which definitely has teams putting in the public number for attendance versus the real number for attendance. Because, I mean, like, mm-hmm. let's look at, like, I don't want to call people out by name, but some groups, we know you're not drawing over 2,000 a game. 1,500? Yeah. I could buy that. 2,000? Mm, I don't know about that. Yeah, that's that's fair. I think you did a good job just doing it. Yeah. So even let's say, in fairness, let's say the real number is, what would you say, probably around 16, 1,700? Yes, I would say that. All right. So even we're going to call that, you're still about 1,000 below it. Right? So that's not meeting it. Uh, and all of this is mm-hmm. triggered by a NorthJersey.com article linked in the show notes for those that want to uh, to view it. I believe it's subscriber lock only. So you'll either have to find a way around that, which I won't advocate for. Or you have to pay for it, which, you know, you could do that. And if you want to read it, it's available there. You may get a, access to a few free articles, too. Uh, sure, you could do that. Uh, but a long and short of it, it goes through some of the attendance issues the team's been having. And then it brings in some quotes from the team ownership, uh, namely Al Dorso, who I think it would be a fairly safe and uh, fair thing to say was, unhappy at some critiques of the current uh, stadium situation yep i think that's fair to say yeah because in that northjersey.com article it cites a new york times article which also linked in the show notes but you have to be a new york times subscriber to access if i am correct on uh Mm -hmm. which has some quotes in it which the juicy part of it is calling the people that are unhappy with the move quote People who live in Montclair and pretend to be woke, which is an interesting quote. Um, it's a lot interesting to unpack to, on that one. Yeah, it's yeah. interesting to call them out, especially when it appears as though those uh, suburban people are the main people at your ballpark still, as the locals haven't quite taken to the team yet. So calling mm-hmm. out the very thin stream of fans coming in is an interesting call. Uh, the quote also continues, that's an area of Patterson which is not full of crime. Then there's some little ellipses there. It's a nice area. The falls, meaning the Great Falls in Patterson, are very nice. Um, I don't quite know about that. Uh, and then there's... I mean, um, I'll jump in and just say, because people get very sensitive on it. We're not saying don't go to Patterson. We're saying like... It can, I think it's fair to acknowledge it can make some people hesitant. I think we can all agree on that. We're not saying if it's bad or if it's not bad. Fact one is it makes some people hesitant. Fact two is when you do look at the map by area and region of, you know, the area, it, that area is in, I think, of the sort of 10 gradients of blue that were used to uh, indicate level of crime that was in the ninth gradient. So it was, in fact, yeah, it's not one of the best areas of town, which are nice areas. Actually, close by, there's a nice area, but unfortunately, he can't claim that if that's what he's going to do. Yeah, so it's not exactly the most uh, truthful claim, or at least one that held up over the past two months from when that article was published. So and that also brings a good point with the reputation of Paris, and this was something that I know me and Will talked about when the move was first announced, was 
that reputation of Paris is going to be something that's going to be big to overcome. And the appeal of being a historic ballpark, how long are you going to be able to run that for? And to how many people is that going to be an appeal to? Uh, we're starting to get the early answer on that, which is not much and not a lot. Uh, but, you know, yeah. hopefully they figure that out. Uh, there's another quote from Al who goes, quote, and this was in response to those previous quotes that we read. I regret nothing ever in my life. It's only a handful of fans, and I've told them personally how I feel. And that was, again, in response to if he stands by the New York Times quote. Maybe doubling down was not the best call. I would uh, agree with that. Yeah, um, I think the the biggest thing, again, if we took anything from Lexington, is what is more dangerous than a bad set of circumstances is someone not acknowledging the bad set of circumstances. I think there, there was a lot layered in this article and the articles linked in it. That was just like, wow, like there's no responsibility for it. And it also, it almost feels like he's trying to frame this as like, he made the choice to take his team here to revitalize this venue and people can be enraged. And like, I guess he's trying to say racist about it if they want to, which it, it is weird because they have not reached out to the, at all, any of the diverse communities in the Patterson who should and could be supporting them if they were doing things well. Um, but that is not what happened. If people need that information, I mean, that scene was being renovated already when they were no longer invited back to their former ballpark and they seized this opportunity to become a team that plays there because they got a very good deal on it. It seems, I don't think they're paying rent on that is what I'm getting. Um, and they are also like charging local little leagues exorbitant amount of money to use the field occasionally. So yeah, let's not it, act 1200, like 1, I think it was for every two uh, hours. 1200. Now they tried to do 1500 and they got blowback. So we'll knock off 300. Yeah. And then when it comes time to address the fact that the, the parking there is as much as the ticket, and that is uh, Patterson, the city of Patterson, who is, um, you know, uh, I guess charging that. Yeah, Patterson Park. Just like, oh, we're working on it. Yeah, we're aware of it. We're working on it. But it's like, hey, man, maybe if you, because it was the city of Patterson that gave them the issue on how much they were charging little leagues. I'm like, hey, man, I have a quick idea on how you can, you know, free up some things for the city and maybe work a deal, which would be not charging all the local little leagues. 1200 bucks and and what an hour or two hours i think it was every two hours so, the field yeah so it's about like 600, 600 an hour like uh, it, there was just so much in there where like yeah like we can see how you could start to improve this man and it just to not even not do it is one thing but to not even acknowledge there seems to be an issue is the thing where i'm like oh there could be a bigger this could be bigger and more yeah. long term than we like to think there are two things that immediately come to my mind after hearing you say that was one, could this be a case? And I've never been in front office, so I wouldn't know. But could this be a case of we have to charge the little league this much money so that we can afford to continue to run the team in a certain manner? And by cutting down that cost, it would directly affect the way we operate type of thing. Like, cause obviously you're not getting a lot in game day sale. That that's pretty clear. So yeah, and as we're, I think it'd be fairly safe to say, sponsorship and game day are your two biggest driving factors for income for a team. Sponsorship mm -hmm. seems to be fine, at least from what I can tell. I wouldn't be shocked if, you know, they want to reopen that deal or 
renegotiate the deal or have a discussion about if I was a sponsor and it's like, hey, you know, it doesn't really seem like we're getting our money's worth out of this uh, going into next year. I wouldn't be shocked about that. But game day then is certainly below what they were expecting. So I wonder if the Little League money, as desperate as it may sound, I don't mean this in like any other way, but an actual legitimate question way, which is to say, is that 1200 for every two hours actually that important to them? Well, I would more say, do we really think that people are paying that? Because if they're not paying it, it doesn't really matter what they're charging. I could see it. I could honestly see it. I think that they could. I don't know how frequently they're doing it, but mm-hmm. I could see it being a thing. Yeah, for a little league comparison, though, it's just a lot, man. I mean, yeah. I don't know, maybe, though. I don't know the area as well. Um, but I guess it comes down to that and... I guess maybe if it's a frequent thing, maybe. Okay. Okay. And then the second thing I had, which is talking about who he's marketing to. I mean, it even says in the North Jersey article that I think it was 62%. I know it was over 60. I think it was 62% of Patterson's population is Hispanic Latino. And it seems as though, and I understand why you're playing into the Negro League history, but perhaps it would have meant more to try and play into the Latino angle of it, to try and engage the overwhelming majority of the city's residents. And yeah. I, and this may, is probably going to sound worse than what I mean it to be, but I'm going to say it anyway just because I feel like it's a legitimate point, which is to say, how many people in Paris care about the Negro League history? Because it feels like to me, at least among this new wave of resurgence on the Negro League side, is more baseball geeks that care about that than actual I, average person. Yeah, I think that's not a bad read. I think it's not non-existent, certainly. Yeah. But is it something that... Here's the thing. If it's a, if it's a, a journey, I mean, I think... How many people within Patterson? So you have to be not only a big baseball fan, but a fan of baseball history and Negro League history. That, that does pare it down quite a bit. And then you need to convince that grouping to be a repeat customer. I could see it being a lot of one-time customers coming to visit and see and check things out. Um, but yeah, I, that's, I, I think you're on it with that too. I think it's just not necessarily a big enough market to aim at, especially while you're it really weirdly, I mean, blaming almost and taking shots at your former fan base, which does not need to be the former fan base. I mean, there, it's not that bad of a commute. Like you could have those people still coming out. Oh, they yeah, they talked to somebody in the one article about, you know, they, he's been coming out for years to Sussex County games, like, or to Jersey games. Yeah. Um, I, I just don't understand. Uh, it's such a weird choice just to like seemingly ostracize so much of the former and existing fan base in favor of a, so far non-existent and you still need to work for it fan base like without even even if you're just selfishly sustaining that former fan base just to cover the gap until you've done your work on the the new one it's just i don't know it was still confusing and that's really what got my attention the most was like how it just felt like there was a lack of strategy it it certainly does feel like that because like you said like as far as what little marketing there really has been i don't know what the patterson local marketing has been I could tell you in the greater area of Passaic County, Bergen County, Essex County, there really hasn't been much. I can't recall seeing any sort of a billboard, any sort of like little like flyer or 
those little like calendar or schedule things, the pocket schedules popped up anywhere. I can't recall seeing that anywhere. It doesn't really seem like they're overly active either. So the marketing has been, you know, not noticeable, which is the possibly worst thing you could say about marketing. And, you know, if what little there has been has very much been the Look at this historic ballpark we're playing in. Look at all the history that's happened here. You should come look at this because it's a historic venue. You could be a part of history. This is living history. And like I was saying, like the people that are into it, I got to be honest, they really do seem to be the suburban baseball nerd, which is exactly what... Yeah, I think that's a good read. Yeah, it's exactly what's not there. So it's like... You say in one breath, and I think this is getting to the point that you've been really raising, which, and I'm just kind of supporting, which is in one breath, you're saying, we want the locals. The locals are going to be the lifeblood. That's what we're banking on. And that's the right approach to take for a stadium like this. I mean, again, with the reputation that Patterson has, a ballpark is not going to undo all that. We've seen time and time again. And even in the article, it quotes one of the owners, I believe in Nork, who said, it's hard to get people to go to the inner city to see minor league baseball, which, I mean, you know, when you state it plainly, it's like, oh, yeah, but it can work. You know, it's the right yeah, approach to take. It can. It's just that it's there's hard. They, I mean, the hard numbers would say that is, it's a struggle. Yeah. And again, that's what we said. We actually had a similar conversation with Gary not long ago yeah. about how we're not saying it can't work in Gary. What we are saying is that Gary has an additional hurdle to jump. It's the same thing here. Exactly. And so in the one breath, you are saying the locals are the way to go. And you're not wrong. Locals are the way to go. But then in the same breath, you're not really marketing to them. You're marketing to a thing you think should appeal to them without actually listening to what they want and what the appeal is. And it just feels like you have a bunch of people that say, I know the area without actually knowing the current area. Right, because I vaguely remember the press conference announcing, "Oh, we're moving to Hinchcliffe. It's going to be great." Because I remember this all the day I got into my feud with uh, the former hosting service for this show, and right. I woke up and I watched the tail end of that, and I vaguely remember. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I'll openly admit that. But I, I do remember Al Dorsa saying, "I grew up in Patterson. I know what it's like." And the thing I immediately thought of was, "Yeah, you don't know what it's like anymore." <laughs> You know what yeah. it was like when you were growing up. You don't know what it's like now because I don't think you live in Patterson now. I could see mm-hmm. you living in like Saddle River, but that's ex- yeah. that's a world difference between Patterson and that. You know, it's one's the city, the other one is a wealthy suburb. So, like, mm-hmm. let's be real here. You may still even do business in that. I know plenty of people that grew up in Newark when Nork was mostly Italians. Nork is no longer mostly Italians. They still do business in the city, so they know the people running it. They have a general view of it, but they don't really know. If they were going to open up a shop there, they wouldn't have the faintest clue on how to market to it. They could probably get enough community support just from the connections they have, uh, but Mm -hmm. as far as appealing to a client base, they really couldn't do that effectively. And it felt to me when I heard that and now looking at this, that's kind of a similar situation here. It's like, yeah, you probably grew up here. Yeah, you probably do some business here still. But do you actually know the residents here? The people that are the most important in making this work? 
And it yeah, feels like yeah. that's not the case. Yeah, I think that's spot on. Um, I almost feel like there's even not a full understanding of the people who were fans of the team before, oddly enough, which, I mean, I again, that. I know he's got multiple teams, but it, it's just so weird. It, the dismissive nature of the way he talked about the, the former fans, like, I don't know, man, like, you're in a competitive market. Like, there's a lot of teams around there. Like, not just teams, uh, like, there's a lot of to stuff. To go to one of your two, bud. Like, it's so, I don't know, it's confusing. And I know now we're starting to get in circles, but like, I was, and it, part of it is because I don't even have anything hard to say to end this. It's just, it was very confusing. I don't know what he's going with. Um, I do think it's worth noting. I've found uh, at least uh, some research on repeat visitors to museums because if they are trying to sort of frame it that way, like it's yeah. a thing to experience, a historical thing, uh, 17% of uh, museum visitors return within a calendar year. So that won't get it done. Yeah. And I imagine those museums too have rotating exhibits. Yep. So. And probably some sort of discount. Exactly. So, but yeah, it just, it's an interesting position there. And, you know, I could definitely see it not being an understanding of even your former base there. And it was interesting to me is I have people that I talk to and they're like, I could see them moving back in a couple of years when the contract's up. And it's just like, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know if you could do that, especially like, you can survive the quotes like this because let's be honest, in three years, most people are going to forget about them. If and that's assuming most people heard it, I think most people don't really even know that these quotes exist. And the people that did, most will probably forget about it. But if you keep yeah. going on this road where you're declaring war on the people that used to, you know, go to Yogi Bear but aren't going to Hinchcliffe, you're going in a very interesting direction. Especially because you're putting a lot of like small local businesses that are most likely to be sponsors of this team. If it's back in Little Falls slash Upper Montclair, it's Little Falls though. You're putting them in an awkward spot where it's like, "Uh uh-huh, we want to attach ourselves to that brand now. I don't know about that. (laughs) Well, yeah. And I'm even thinking there's could be a number of people. Okay, let's take the people who... Again, the facts, you can argue however you want that, you know, Patterson is or isn't dangerous. You can say with any town, it comes down to the level of comfort of the people that you want to have go there. And if people are seeming to be uncomfortable, that is the fact you have to deal with. Um, and there's, with that, certainly going to be a percentage of the fan base from the former location who is, you know, able to be convinced to come on out, maybe not this year, but next year after talking to other fans they know and other people and friends and, you know, other baseball parents or whatever, if they have kids who said, you know, we actually went down. It was a great time. Yeah, it was fine. Totally safe. They had the, the parking area. Yeah, you had to pay for it. But like, honestly, like it was safe. And what's 15 bucks when usually these games get kind of expensive with kids anyway. It's like hmm. um, that possibility really gets chipped away at when you say things like this. Like you're almost, you know, you're killing that option before it even comes back around for you. And that's just. I always talk about like word of mouth is more popular than, you know, I'm probably biased because I wrote a bunch of papers on that back in college, but like it, it does, it spreads that exponential growth on that is quick. And you can have people talking good things about you or you can have people saying, you hey, did you hear what that guy said? It just doesn't make sense. Yeah. I mean, it just doesn't. And like the problem I always have with the move back to Yogi thing, just to mm-hmm. harp on a little bit is always you left because you didn't have a good relationship with the people that own the thing, namely the college. Yep. So what's going to change in three years other than 
you are now financially up the creek. You need to get back to the suburbs after alienating the suburban base and not being able to court the uh, local base. And now you got to go back in a weaker position to negotiate a contract and say, hey, what do we got to do to get back here? Like, you think you're going to get favorable terms in that? That's if you're allowed at the table. Like, I just, I can't see that ending well, especially when they're already upgrading the ballpark now. Montclair stated. Right. So now you're going to get a newer upgraded ballpark after essentially flipping them the bird, flipping the fans the bird, and putting advertisers in an awkward spot. You're going to come back three years later, like some sort of, like, like drunken son that was on a bender for three years at college. You're going to come back home and go, Hey, is that offer to run the family business still on the table? Like, I don't see that being a possibility. Nope. I don't see that going over well. Yeah. So just before moving on, I guess let's try to find a positive spin. Let's try to find a way to, you know, kind of improve it because obviously the parking, if you can knock that down, that's probably a positive there and increase the Mm -hmm. amount of parking too. There's only like 300 spaces. So even if you want to say, and I know this is not going to be accurate because you're not getting three people in every car, but let's say on average three people to a car, you're still not quite at, uh, you're just under a thousand. I think you're actually at 999 exactly, but that could help you too, the parking. Um, Assuming, you know, you're able to, do better job of the outreach. I think I mentioned on one of the outtakes, I'm not sure if it'll be up by the time the show goes up, uh, but mm-hmm. mentioned doing more of a Juneteenth outreach uh, in the local schools, having the players go there, try to do some sort of either intera- interactive event or do like one of those just book readings or try to teach a Juneteenth lesson, something like that. You know, that could be helpful. Uh, try to find creative ways like that. I think that could certainly help. I think and I they could already have a very strong local hiring program. And I hope that's the case because that could certainly help turnout as well. But that could be a way too as well to try and get something going there. Uh, Ryan, I know your position on tickets is give them away for free if we'll get people in the ballpark because your money oh, is made yeah. once they're through the front gate. Uh, yep. So more ticket giveaways or find a way to really just tank the price of it and get the awareness of the event out there and really up the, you know, this is something that you can bring your kids to and you can keep your kids from doing something they shouldn't be doing. They could be at the ballpark mm-hmm. instead. That's an angle I think plays really, really well in a city like Patterson. Yep. I think you're right on all that. So uh, there is hope there is, it's salvageable. It's definitely salvageable. Um, I think the moment they're putting a good you know, foot forward. The other issues, I mean, I'm hearing not awesome things about the experience. I mean, there was even a mention in the one article and I, I think they'd fix this by now because it does seem like something you can't let fly for longer than like a first home stand. But um, there was talk about uh, the one guy who used a walker, there's no ADA access. And then he had to like go in through like a weird entrance that literally involved him passing through a women's bathroom. It's like, hey, that How did work. no one think about it? Yeah, Gotta that, think about that, things, man. That on legal ground seems shaky as hell. 
Yeah, man. I don't. That was crazy. I mean, it said already the city was like on top of that. I was like, yeah, I bet, man. Oh, yeah. I imagine the second they heard about it, they jumped right to it because they're like, ooh, that mm-hmm. sounds like a civil uh, discrimination suit right there. Uh, yep, absolutely. That sounds like a very expensive proposition for the city. And I will also say here, not to dump on Dorsal too much because it does seem like he was one of the guys leading the campaign to get a full restoration because it seems like the city wanted to just go 10 million, patch it up as opposed to 100 million, do it right. So I will give him credit there for leading a charge on that and doing some. And essentially, I think it would be safe to say he was one of the forces behind saving it from the wrecking ball. Because let's be real still, that's valuable land, especially if you could develop it. I mean, yeah, but it wasn't the uh, the reconstruction, not reconstruction, but the uh, the work going on on it. Like that was, I started back in, I got the date on it. It was before they expressed any interest in going somewhere else. Fair. But even still... It does seem like in the New York Times article, I believe it was the Times one, where he seemed to at least play it up where he had a larger role in it. No, Yeah, I, I was a little hesitant to believe that one, but I mean, I don't know the facts. Yeah, so I mean, just giving him the benefit of the doubt on it. Now, I'm not sure okay. if he deserves it or not, but, you know, that's a different discussion. Mm-hmm. Agreed. So, that's the situation with the Jackals. Um, had to cover it because it came up. And it seemed to generate news, so got to mention it. But uh, yeah, we'll move on from that. We'll move on to something positive here, right? Because let's do that. This is actually extremely positive, and this is the kind of thing that uh, I think we can both agree we want to see more of, which is the American Association. They're going to play in the Champions Baseball League. What is the Champions Baseball League? That's a wonderful question. Let's answer that right away for you, so you're clued in on what's happening. The Champions League is an event that has winners of four North American leagues, round-robin-style tournament. Uh, the four leagues are the American Association of Professional Baseball, the uh, Mexican Liga, the Colombian Professional Baseball League, and the Cuban National Series. The champions from all four of those leagues will go to one location, and they will play two games a day, in a round round, round robin, that's going to trip me up for the whole time we're doing this segment, uh, style tournament. And from there, once everybody's played each other, obviously, as a round robin goes, uh, the top two teams will play for the title. The bottom two teams will play for third place. Uh, in this particular year, it's going to be uh, in uh, the Yucatan, Mirida. Uh, I believe it's Marita. Marita. We'll go with that. We'll go with that. We'll go with Ryan's pronunciation because it's probably better than mine. That's right. Either way, it's in Mexico. (laughs) It's going to be down there. And it will have all the 2022 champions representing their leagues. So for our purposes, the only one you'll know and the only one you'll probably care about is the Fargo-Moorhead Redhawks. They will head down there. I forget the exact dates. I didn't quite see it, but I think it's like September 28th to like October 2nd or something like that. Uh, let me check this out. I've got it as September 28th to October 1st. October 1st. Okay, so I was only off by a day. Honestly, not bad. Yeah, you're there. Yeah, exactly. Got the time range, right? So it'll have that. More information is going to get released as time goes on. I don't know what the streaming situation is going to be like. I would hope this is an AA Baseball TV type thing because it feels, feels like, like it, it should be. And hopefully yep. it is. But honestly, I think this is a pretty great deal for the american association you're putting yourself in direct competition with lmb and honestly the cuban national series is even a decently talented league with some of the guys they have over there i don't know anything about the colombian league but 
even still, they're really putting themselves on a really high level here. It gives a chance for players to really show their worth, especially, I think, to a lot of these Mexican teams where that's a main contract purchaser for a lot of independent leagues. So you really get a stage to compare the best the best to. And honestly, I think it makes the regular season, the playoffs mean a little bit more because if you're a professional ball player, let's say like 28, 29, maybe a guy like a Max Murphy type, if we're being brutally honest, probably not going to get picked up by an affiliate, had the major leg injury last year, bit on the older side, position player, and if I'm not mistaken, he's an outfielder slash DH. So that's not really a position high demand across affiliated minor leagues. However, if you rake, if you put up numbers, Korea, Japan, Mexico, those are all options that are very much on the table and very much in play. So if you're on a team like that, or if you're on a championship team in the association, and you're a player like Max Murphy, that's a huge proven ground for you. That's a huge stage. If you can go into that tournament and in four games, let's say, hit like 320, yeah, very small sample size. But that shows a lot to scouts. So they got four games of seeing you in person, hitting off of, you know, Mexican league and Cuban like stud pitching and doing well, at the very least doing more than holding your own. That's a great sign for you, and it really helps your odds for those very competitive foreign player slots. Yeah, I, I follow you there. Um, yeah, um, I had a lot of thoughts, and I kind of expressed it in the video I did yesterday. I'm trying to sort of corral that into sort of a different format here. But, yeah, I think it's it's certainly a good thing. That's first and foremost. You know, if I was in, if I had my way, it'd probably be a little bit different. But I also know there's there's so much in the way of logistics and like red tape that you have to figure out for something like this. Mm-hmm. Um, that I, I I am willing to not complain about it is what I'm saying. Yeah. I, I'm hoping this is like step one in a multi-step sort of growth and uh, progression for this sort of things. So I think the potential is awesome. I think there could be some great stuff that comes from it. All right. Want to expand on what the uh, possibility could be? Um, yeah, I mean, I'd love it, obviously, if the team playing was the team that won that current year. Um, yeah. I mean, I know it's, it can't always be that way. In fact, I think some of the soccer, major soccer tournaments are even you know that way, where you'll have a trash team or a great team either get in or miss out because it's you know the year before that they go off of. But yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that's one thing, uh, but again, it, the logistics are a headache, and it, you kind of got to know what it looks like. It's tough, too, because at the end of the year for the American Association, you're losing guys to winter ball and things like that, so yeah. that's going to either way affect the roster, so that kind of you know, it worries me a little bit for on, on their behalf, not really yeah. as, you know, on the, the idea as a whole. And, and then I, I think just, um, I, I'd hope to see it grow to involve more of the indie leagues. We've talked plenty about uh, a multi-league sort of uh, tournament or some sort of competition and i think this shows that there is room for that kind of thing uh you and i talked quite a bit uh about i, I like the idea of a mid-season because i think it prevents you know uh, a lot of that roster loss that you can see on especially on better teams with better players so uh again logistically that's a whole other can of worms trying to get multiple leagues from multiple countries to get on the same schedule but um, you know, that might be something they can work toward. There might be something where there's, you know, the room to grow it to more teams and more leagues. And, um, yeah, I, I think, again, I, 
I'm one of those people who has been dreaming of something similar to this for a long time. So my initial thought is like, oh, there's so much other stuff that we could be doing with this too. But I don't want that to come off negative. I like it. I think it's a great idea. I think it's going to be really good for the game. Yeah, I mean, I definitely see that. And I'm not going to rehash the Memorial Cup or World Series style Indie Ball tournament again because I've done that a lot. Uh, but I agree it could be the first step in a larger thing. And obviously, like my first thought, like most people was, would love to see 2023 there. But again, mm-hmm. like you said, it's kind of hard there. I just imagine the visa situation would be a nightmare alone to try and right. figure that out, much mm-hmm. less jockeying people around with their winter ball contracts, like you said, because that's a decent chunk of income for a lot of guys too. So right. sacrificing exactly. that could be very difficult there. I'm sure if there's in particular guys that could probably go, hey, I got this thing for a week. I'll report, but I'm going to report like two, three days late. And right. if you're for certain guys, it's like, yeah, don't worry about it. For the guys that are like, you know we could probably replace you it's like nah you're gonna kind of be here so like (laughs) i kind of i get that angle of it too it's just i like seeing this solely from the perspective of you're putting yourself on a tier above what i think you're commonly seen as right like your mexican baseball is seen higher it's seen on that same level as like korea and japan it's right in that kind of like I don't want to call it B tier, but it's the tier right below Major League Baseball, right be- sure. behind all that. Because I kind of view like the affiliate leagues as kind of like a more adjacent type thing because they're not trying to win over there; they're trying to develop. Mm-hmm. So you can't really judge them on the same scale as all the other leagues, where it's like, well, oh, you know, we kind of want you to win here. So yeah, you can sort of judge level of player, but not level of team in a weird way. Exactly, exactly. So mm-hmm. and it's two different uh, kind of conversations. So when you're putting yourself on kind of like that tier two level, it changes the game. It changes the perception. And the thing that I appreciate is it's the American Association doing it. They're once again kind of moving the ball forward. And for better or worse, because some of their ideas don't really work out, but a lot of times they're taking the shot. They're doing big things. They're really leading the charge. And so I appreciate that. And I appreciate them trying to be different and doing more with it, right? So that's really what I get excited for. Because then I think like, okay, well, if you go to Mexico and you're a team that, or you're a player that is, you know, 28, 29, 30, 31, this is a pretty good opportunity for you. Because you do get that extra bit there. You get to see how you compare to those top levels. And I wonder how many scouts, because there's a a lot of scouts across a lot of different teams and a lot of different organizations across a lot of different leagues. I wonder how much they go, yeah, we got this huge sample size, but that's indie ball competition. Look what he did against these guys. How many of those kinds of scouts are out there and are won by that? And I feel like that number is probably not as many as I think, but mm-hmm. still a decent enough number. Um, yeah, I, I agree with all that. I also think just speaking with back within our, like our indie ball bubble, yeah, I do think it's an interesting development. Um, the American association we've talked about has been sort of doing their best to chase down the Atlantic league in terms of legitimacy for a long time. Now they're fighting with 
you know, hand tied behind their back because the roster restrictions they work with. Yeah. Uh, however, you know, one way to you know deal with that is to make sure that within those roster restrictions, you are getting the best players, you know, in the categories that you have. Um, and so, you know, maybe I think we're going to deal with two things eventually, which is the perception of the leagues versus the the real talent, which is kind of what you're talking about before. But looking specifically at the American, the Atlantic, I think that's it is interesting to see that the representative that American independent baseball is sending to play this international tournament is going to be the American Association. Mm. And I'm not saying anything. I mean, look, it's just they're the ones who got this thing done, the deal done. I still I, I almost number one team in a ranking this week sure was an American association team, but I've gone on the record. I, I despite putting them number one, I think the Atlantic league is the number one league. And I actually think they've, I've expressed to you off air. I think they've actually widened the gap a little bit this year, you know, definitely a huge perception win. I think for the American association. It definitely is. I will say that number one team got shellacked by Sioux falls this week. So yeah, they're not going to yeah. hold on to that for much longer. It doesn't look like points making a very strong case right now, but that's neither here nor there to the conversation. I think it is an interesting point that the American Association got it done, and I do almost wonder in a way where if you took the American Association's leadership and you gave that to the Atlantic League, what that would turn into. And I understand there's probably a lot more going on behind the scenes and a lot more personalities that are maybe not as willing to play ball for the league as a whole on the Atlantic League side. But, man, I just wonder what Josh Schaub could do with East Coast markets like Long Island and Staten Island. Oh, if he gave him New York markets, the things he could come up with and do. Hell, I wouldn't even put it put aside the possibility of them playing a game in Central Park. <laughs> but we're going over to Quebec for our next piece of news. Nice. So let's talk about this Quebec article. I'm not even going to try to pronounce the publication's name, but it is linked in the show notes. I think it's like Le Solide. Mm-hmm. But either way, Carl Tardif, fantastic follow. You have to translate the tweets because it's all in French because his base is in French, but they're still pretty damn good. And he does great coverage for the Capitals. Has an article all about Quebec going into the All-Star break. A couple of cool pieces of news. One, they're going to have a whole 30th year celebration for the Capitals. They're also going to host the 2024 All-Star game for the Frontier League, which makes me want to go up to Quebec even more. And uh, there's going to be expansion discussed at this uh, Frontier League meeting. So that's going to be kind of cool. Could be in 2024, but that's very much up in the air. And hopefully there'll be a team in Montreal. Those are kind of the main points there. Articles linked if you want to read it. It is in French, so you may have to translate it. Yeah, I didn't have too much to add to this. Just It's not very detail-heavy, but it's kind of interesting. It's good to hear there's some excitement for it, though. Exactly. That's the thing. Like, I'm very excited to see. And I want to talk a little All-Star game here before we go to the first half champions. But Okay. I am interested to know what the turnout is going to be for that All-Star game. Because I could see this being the rare time. We talked about this in length last week, so I won't rehash too much Mm -hmm. of it. We talked about how it's difficult to get people to an All-Star game because you're not really drawing to hometown people that are rooting for the hometown team. And, you know, the stigma around the players that are there. And you're also appealing to like, hey, here's the best players in this league that you probably still have not heard of. So we understand the difficulties of drawing to All-Star games. We went over that. But Quebec has really, 
they are embracing baseball. The Capital fans really embrace baseball. It seems like they do very well attendance-wise, and it seems like they always have a very active fan base. So I wouldn't be stunned, as well as the fact that Quebec normally puts on a very good product on the field, in addition to a good product, you know, just in general. If you had a very strong Quebec team, you were able to justify taking more capitals, maybe a few more than deserve to be there, but still having like eight or ten of them from just about any given year from Quebec's history would not be that much of a stretch. So if you have a large Quebec base, already with a nice-sized crowd in a market that likes baseball, in a city where, quite frankly, you can get people too, it seems like, and I'm sure you've ran into this too, when you ask people their favorite trip, they always say Quebec because they love going to Quebec. And Now, whether that's favorite road trip or I actually like the city, who knows? But I feel like it's a bit easier to get the players too. I feel like it's a bit easier to draw other people too. You could definitely get people from the surrounding area. I think this actually has some potential to work out. And I also have a lot of faith in the Quebec management because as we said about an hour ago on this show, they're one of the organizations that does it right and is extremely well ran. Yeah, I think this one has a good likelihood of turning out well. I think they know what they're getting into. I think they're going in without any sort of like false uh, pretenses here of, of how this could go. And I think they, they have an understanding of like what they're getting into with it, I guess. That would be the main thing. Uh, beyond that, I feel like uh, I, I, I think that area tends to respond well. From what I've seen, I think the Canadian markets are, uh, I'm trying to find the right word. I don't want to say susceptible because that seems like they're being suckered in something or not. I think they're, I think they uh, can be approached from an angle of, hey, like we are kind of outsiders to an extent in the sport, right or wrong. I mean, that's how it's viewed. It's, you know, an American game that pops up toward Canada. And I think that, you know, when, you know, given without any, you know, the indie ball without any expectation. Yeah. And in the same way, like being given the All Star game, like, hey, like we want you to have the showcase. I think that sends a good message and i think that's the kind of thing that they would want to that they would be interested in responding to well and i think that they would take interest in also yeah it appeals to that kind of you know we're our own separate thing something that's very distinct as is the province of quebec they're very distinct from the rest of canada they're very distinct from anything else really in north america so that does appeal to them with that and to put them kind of in the spotlight. Definitely. I, I see what you're getting at. I, I agree with it largely. So it is something of interest there. And like I said, I have a lot of faith in that market. I have a whole lot of faith. Plus I like their, their kind of rain delay entertainment. That's pretty cool too. With their singers. Yeah. Good vibe. Yeah. They, that's the thing. They keep the vibe up there and that that's very yep. important. I, I think that's why they it's really huge do thing. They, yep. There's a lot that can be learned from them. And the only other thing before we go on to the, uh, I guess, the heavy baseball talk is this Quebec uh, little piece on the expansion there, trying ideally have a team in Montreal. I wonder about that. I don't yeah. know where it would what are your be. Thoughts? Yeah, I don't know where it would yeah. be, but I do think it could work because Quebec's obviously Quebec City. So Montreal's further enough away to where it definitely 
you won't be having crossover there. But there's possible cross-branding between them, Three Rivers, and maybe a little bit of Ottawa. But Ottawa's kind of a little bit out there. Plus, they're Ontario. But they're kind of... They're they're like an estuary, right? They're where the fresh water meets the salt water kind of a thing. There's a cross over there. Uh, so, I'm interested in that. My holdup is, A, I don't know what the facility would be. B... I don't know if it's too much of a major league city as much as that can be in Canada in the same way where like a Toronto would probably respond more to having, they'll respond to the Blue Jays, but they wouldn't respond to a, uh, a double A affiliate for the Blue Jays. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I wonder about that. Is Montreal the same kind of setup there? And then thirdly, I highly doubt Mont- Montreal's ever getting a major league team again. It just doesn't make a lot of sense from a business perspective to put a team in a French-speaking market that doesn't have one of the larger growth potentials. Like, yeah, you could possibly have something going there, but let's not forget the Expos did not draw well. You'd need a brand new ballpark. There's a lot holding Montreal back from having a major league team. But yeah, I think should those yeah. things be met and they get a major league team, is that going to help or hurt this? Is this going to be like a Long Island thing where like, the Mets don't really factor into Long Island's, you know, doings outside of, hey, let's get a bunch of former Mets. Or is this going to be more like a uh, situation where why are we going to bother seeing the Frontier League team when we could just go see the new Expos? Like, what are we going to do here in that situation? That, that's my one concern. Yeah, I mean, it's tough because on one hand, you got like the, the whole weird Chicago market thing, but that's a different situation because of, you know, it's like we're in cities when things get closer together. It's, you know, the commute doesn't necessarily shorten all that much. So you can kind of have those smaller little sub regions for teams. Yeah. Um, I don't see Montreal's a market that could sustain both um, an indie team or a minor league team plus a major league team. I think. As far as the major league team goes, I'm I'm big in like random expos history, so I kind of track this. I think the thing people want to talk about with that is it's going to come down to um, it, not solely, but I think in larger part than people might initially anticipate um, inroads that baseball can make in Europe, and seeing how that London series continues, can they spread that beyond London? Is there interest in France? Because yeah. if French-speaking countries are getting into baseball, then major league baseball might be interested, even if it's a marginally attended team having an accessible French speaking team uh, you know, available. So that's, that's part of it, but that's very much in the weeds. So backing up a sec, I think that, yeah, um, I, I think Montreal has potential. I think even Laval has potential up there. Same Laval's sort of area. It's really interesting. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. I don't know that they have a ball, like an actual yeah. ballpark or stadium up there, which is interesting. Yeah, we did I, this I last week. Did, too, but, but... Yeah, we did. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I do think it's interesting that they don't seem to have one. But yeah. Uh, yes, which that was merciful because we'd gone way too long. Oh, yeah, no, we would have went for another hour just looking at random parts of Big Sky Country for like, I bet Lethbridge could build a ballpark. <laughs> I bet we could convince this random town out in Wyoming. I bet Casper would be willing to upgrade their ballpark. But, yeah, the one thing I will say about that, and I think Europe's an interesting example there, and I'm not 100% confident on this, so someone could correct me if I'm wrong. But my understanding is the way the French view Quebec is extremely different than the way we may think they view it. 
in the sense of they yeah. kind of view it as that other thing over there where like mm-hmm. the French you speak in Quebec is very different French from the what you'd speak in Paris or Marseilles or Nice or something like that. They're two separate things. So I'm not necessarily sure they'd be like, oh, great, there's a French-speaking team, as opposed to more of a, oh, it's a Quebecois team. They, if I'm right, there's kind of a cultural thing there where they kind I of agree. view it I- as different. And not necessarily. And I don't way. think it's uh, uh, the angle. And again, we're sort of yeah. far off here. But like, yeah. I, I guess to close that or like to clarify, I, I don't think it's a. Uh, they speak French. You speak French. You are the same, right? Like mm. natural. In I think it's more if you are looking to pick up the game, and you are a French speaker, you are more likely to pick up something as a French broadcast. Um, Possibly. And I think that's kind of the beginning and end of where that is. It's like. Um, if you're a German football fan, you're more likely to hook onto a team that plays in your uh, country a lot. So you might be wearing a Jaguars hat by this time next year. Hmm. Yeah, I do. Just to wrap up this point and then get into the baseball talk after, I do think Laval is an interesting one because mm-hmm. it's still in the footprint. It makes a lot of sense, and you get your fourth Canadian team. And we get to and 16. Connects- yeah. Yep. And it connects the dots really nicely between Ottawa and uh, Trois-Rivières. Exactly. And all of a sudden now you have your Canadian division. You can lump everything real nice like with New York, Tri-City, Sussex, and uh, New Jersey. That it fits into a quad. There's your fourth. And then you can kind of pair everything up like we were trying to do. It kind of fits it. It makes it make sense. And that, I think, is a very big appeal for them because you could even still keep it eight and eight, but you kind of can do scheduling pods instead. And that's, I got to imagine, an appeal for a lot of teams. Yeah, I'm with you there. What's going to be a 25-minute conversation now is going to be talking about first-half champions because we got four of them. And we got some of the Atlantic League, some of the Pioneer League that started on Friday. Let's get them least interesting of the two games out of the way because i'm gonna be eviscerating one team in a minute uh okay yeah let's start with high point though who just rocked gastonia 8-1 mm-hmm. after a seven run seventh eighth inning uh just really piled on there i feel like if i'm gonna rock the team I'm about to rock in this next segment i have to hit gastonia a little bit here which is guys when you win a series against the one team in your division that's running you down. And all you have to do is beat a mediocre team that's just hanging on for dear life. You just got to beat them like twice, ideally, but once we'll get the job done. And you can't do that. We got to have a conversation because you got to beat Spire City when all you got to do is beat them a couple times to make the one game that you can't have matter, not matter. You can't send it to a Friday winner-take-all last day of the first half game against the one team that you need to lose or beat in order to win the first half. And now here we are. You had them still. It was a 1-1 game going into the seventh. So you still had a chance there. And you couldn't shut the door. And I feel like 
the final three or four, really the whole final game, is a pretty good summary of the last month for Gastonia, where they had opportunities to shut the door, and they just refused to do so, and as a result, are now in a position where they're going to be a wild card team. Because I will say, any discussion on them not being a playoff team, I just I can't quite grasp because they just should be so far ahead in the wild card that it shouldn't even be a discussion. Yeah, it's a tough scene. Um, I think that was their first four game losing streak in the uh, Bree Salisbury era. That's a tough time to do it. Yeah, um, arguably worst time I to do just, it. I would say worst time to do it. You're right. Uh, yeah, man. I'm trying to think like. I mean, it, it came down to those nine guys that got signed. They kind of outkicked their coverage there, which it's fine. I mean, that's what we want to see. You know, we want to see guys getting signed. But, I mean, that's losing the entire starting lineup. Uh, that's It's tough to to put back together and put back together in, in one half, you know. So to, to sign them, to lose them, and sign replacements, just it's a lot to ask. Um, ironically, that's what cost High Point last year in the first half, and now it cost Gastonian in the first half this time around. Um yeah, it, it just it sucks to see. First half is brutal. I don't. I'm still unconvinced that High Point is a better team than Gastonia. It's kind of a bummer to see that. But Gastonia is right back rolling. They're three and one right now. So you got to figure they're they are going. So you got to just remain optimistic that the best teams are going to make the playoffs here, even with the weird format. Yeah, I mean, and also they just lost Franco too. But you know, yeah. they, I still think Gastonia is probably the better team. I think it's very close, obviously. I don't think there's any way yep. to say it's not close. Mm-hmm. But they had it the whole way and they just fumbled the bag at the end. So like they deserve some they deserve to catch some shit for that. And there's no way around that. Oh, but yeah. at the same time, they are still a very strong team. And like I do trust Brady to be the guy to go get the replacements that could do the job. And I also trust that he's going to be the guy that the second the... Okay, that was weird. My screen just turned off. I don't know why I did that, but okay. Mm. Still rolling. All right. Okay. I was just about to make a good point, too. Uh, I also trust that Brady's the guy that when we reach the point in the year where the American Association is done and the Frontier League is done, that he's going to go out there and get the best players from those leagues. And he's going to restock the team for that last September push right into the playoffs, I trust him to do the job. Yeah, I agree with that too, especially after sort of the lessons learned last year with the the playoff loss. I, I also expect him to sort of build a team that can sort of angle itself toward that, uh, you know, a playoff series. So I agree. I, I think they're still put together as the team you don't want to deal with. Um yeah, I think it's just a, a bad set of circumstances. I think it was a bad set of timing as well. And that's just, you know, that happens in any ball sometimes. I mean, it happens in minor league baseball. It happens, you know, if you're if there's anybody above you who might come knocking for guys, the best teams are going to have to navigate that. That's just the nature of the game. Exactly. So good on high point, though. I mean, they came through in the clutch, too. Yeah. I think that shouldn't be lost either. They no. Their season was on the line. Against a very good team. Yeah. Yeah. Their season was on the line. They fought for that week two to keep it alive. And Mm -hmm. then when their back was really against the wall against a good team, they came through and just piled on them and made sure to not just break their back, but break their spirit to get the win. I mean, that's what you got to do. That's the killer instinct. So you got to give them credit on that. 
Yeah, I mean, it was tremendous work from them. They they did what they had to do, and also like the little things too. Talk about you know um, remaining competitive in games, not burning through pitchers, you know, putting teams away when they had to, and or when they had the opportunity to, so they could you know keep momentum rolling into the next day and not exhaust the bullpen. Like they just did the little things right, especially during the last couple of weeks. And they, I mean, it wasn't a coincidence that you know, Gasserini was. Uh, like yesterday, had a great first half, man. What was the winning percentage? Six fifty-one. Um, high point matched them. That's something to say. Um, the next closest team was four games behind them. So, yeah, I think a really impressive work from uh, impressive work from High Point. I think anyone can take away from that. Yeah, absolutely. Jamie Keith, uh, he knows how to run a team. He does what he does. He, he's there's a reason he has. Why is it over six hundred, over seven hundred wins now? Oh, God. Yeah, something like that. I shouldn't know that off the top of my head, but here we The only reason I'm bringing it up is because I remember they were doing a celebration for his wins milestone. I forget the number. Mm. I think it was yeah, 600. I'm, I don't recall, though. I want to say that, too, but yeah. don't quote me. Watch, it'll be like 1,000 now, and we somehow missed all this. Yeah. <laughs> that or it'll be like something that stupidly is. low, like 500, and we'll be like, oh, we give him more credit, but yeah, he'll get there by the end of next year. Yeah, right. He'll be fine. He'll get there. Exactly. He'll yeah, prove us right. He's on he's on track for a thousand, certainly. I mean, if he stays at this level, I mean there's no reason he won't get in like freaking six years. But yeah. Any case. So uh moving on to the North Division here, it was a bit more of a fun roller coaster over there. Because what that we was needed, a wild one. Because what needed to happen for those that don't recall from a week ago now, because it was a bit of a time to go, because we recorded the night before. We recorded on the Thursday. So we didn't know how it was going to shake out. As we said, you'll know before we do. And, uh, well, the Revs needed a simple win in your end. They win. Doesn't matter what Long Island does. If Long Island loses, Revs are in. They have, I don't know what the odds are. Odds man over here would know what the odds were for uh, York going in. To that, to uh, I believe it was sixty-nine percent. So overwhelming, I think would be a fair way to say it. they were a fair. definitive favorite. If you were going to put money on it, Revs mm-hmm. were the safe money. No money safe when the Ducks are after you. <laughs> uh, the Atlantic League. You just earned five Michael Faff points, but <laughs> so that was the situation. Now Long Island being Southern Maryland, probably not the surprising. Ducks eat crabs a lot. That's just how that operates. So I don't even know. I, mean, I think they probably just eat pond vegetation, but let's just run with it. So so they beat Southern Maryland. I didn't even bother to write down the score because, well, it doesn't really matter. Long Island was going to beat them. What well, was a good one? No, you're, you're missing one of the best parts. They went in the, in the ninth inning. They were tied. True. At the same time that the Ducks went in or the Revs went into the ninth in, with the lead. Fair point. This is outs away. Again, though, it's Wally Backman. It's the Ducks. Did we think for one second that the Southern Maryland Blue Crabs, a team that historically has not been able to perform when the pressure hits them, that are desperately pleading to turn the lights off, they're too bright for them, was going to come through in a moment that, you know, had some sort of stakes. In the moment, they remembered who they were. Exactly. Sorry, Southern Maryland. That it's hey, it's the way they are. They are the Carolina Hurricane of Atlantic League baseball. They can have a great regular season. They may even win a round. But the second mm-hmm. that it becomes, ooh, we are close to a final, so we and they're gone. That's just what mm-hmm. they are. Prove me wrong. I'll stop saying it. 
you haven't done it yet, so I'm going to keep saying it. So, Fair. Long Island, admittedly, wins in the ninth. Good for them. Now we got to go over to York because this is where it's fun. Now I get to go ahead and get into my trashing because I did it on Twitter. I'm going to do it here because I might as do well it do it both. I'm not a coward. But, well, I am, but not that big a coward. Any case, Revs, they were up on Lexington in the ninth. In fact, they were one strike away from winning it all. Punching that postseason ticket. Rick Forney's team looked to be postseason bound. Hell of a turnaround from the year prior. Looked to be really solid. Then they gave up a two-run base hit. Then they weren't leading anymore. Mm-hmm. And so you go, hey, this is a clutch team. They've, you know, been one of the three teams, realistically one of the two teams for the majority of this race, because like I only got off to a slow start and well, objects in rear view are closer than they appear. And uh you know, they were really holding off a hot Southern Maryland team for a minute there. I'm not gonna pretend like Lancaster or Staten Island were really ever in this fight, so we're just gonna let them do their thing, get ready for the second half. I think that's fair. Yep. Uh you know, they were they fought off the teams they needed to fight off. So they had a shot going to the ninth. First batter out. Second batter out. Third batter. Well, it was great the first two times. Why not go a third time? Out. Down in order. The Lexington counterclocks ended that time. Clock ran out on York in their first half ambitions. Long Island wins the first half. And something that should have been predictable, they they messed it up big time, you jabronis. Just couldn't get the job done. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. How about Lexington, Spire City proving to be the spoilers in these divisions? Really? That's who would have had that? Yeah, that been that's the long money right there. Yeah, and I remember. Someone that was a co-host on this show picked Spire City to be, I believe, a final team. I don't recall if you picked them to win or not. I know it's stuck somewhere in a show note. I'm not going to pull it up right now, but they had really high hopes for Spire City. And then it just kind of fell apart. But in a way, they were right in that they performed at a critical moment. Much of the chagrin of one of the North Carolina teams, much to the joy of the other one. But man, Lexington and that stupid backwards C just messed up Y team. <laughs> backwards C leaves uh, team asking why. I, yeah, man, I, I just, that was wild to watch her going back and forth like slow motion, man. That was. Yeah. Uh, and it's weird, like, you know, getting to know the guys in the league, it's just like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> it, it, you, you, you start to know the guys, and you just are like, you want to be so excited for the guys who got the win, but you're just like, oof, that's brutal, man. It's a tough, it's a tough walk back to the clubhouse on that one. I got to know what that York clubhouse feeling is, man. Like, that's got to be just I just hope, I just hope they didn't have the champagne in there. Anywho. So that was the situation in the Atlantic League. We still have Pioneer League halves to talk about. Good God. 
I know. Well, there's not as much to talk about over there, so that's okay. Yeah. We're dragging a little bit here, but uh, oh well. Yeah, it's not. It's, it's not our best timed out episode, but hey, we've had worse. Exactly. See, like I said, this is a peak. I'm gonna make my phone call tomorrow at work kind of vibe. So, <laughs> oh, that's that's life in the city, though. So, uh, over in the Pioneer League, this is a Wednesday type of thing. Uh, Missoula, they slammed Great Falls to win their record-setting fifth straight half-division championship. I don't believe this has ever been done, or at least not since 1939 in the Pioneer League. I believe it might have been done once before that's it. That's pretty impressive in all those years. Exactly. So next, once they win the second half for the North Division, then uh, they, I think, will confidently have the record at six. I think so. Good for them. Good for Michael Schwab. <laughs> That dude's just killing it out there in Montana, and I can't imagine that's the easiest place to recruit to, but good for him. The winning helps. It, it does help a lot. Getting guys signed helps mm-hmm. a lot, too. Yep. All Doing those, right. As you said on Twitter, all those undrafted free agents. <laughs> Come on out. Welcome to Kalispell. You like Yellowstone? <laughs> Have you ever heard of Glacier National Park, son? It's lovely this time of year. <laughs> We get to travel to Billings. You get to see the big cities. Ogden. It is. It's Yellowstone. It's like, this farm, this dirt means everything. <laughs> this, this field, this baseball means everything. And they're like, Mike, you good? <laughs> Look, if you're not willing to go as hard into this as Mike is, I don't think you're cut out for Pioneer League Baseball. Maybe mm, you got to head that, back to the city. I think we're learning that, actually. Be a city slicker. Whatever it is he's doing. Oh, God. Hey, he just gets his weekly Chick-fil-A order, and he's good to go. That's all he needs. Happy when he's happy. Exactly. He keeps winning. He gives his little speech before uh, they go ahead and do the champagne, and then it's all champagne. It's all uphill from there. Routine now. Hey, Real talk, though. Like Talking to that dude, I definitely get why people like playing for him. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, like the vibe is great. Yeah, exactly. It's just he seems like such a great guy. So, uh, good for them. They managed to hold off, as I put in the notes, rising ocean temperature, hot glacier. Uh, Nicely done. Yeah, I thought that was a pretty good poll. Uh, yeah, yeah. They uh, had a couple missteps as of recent, namely the Ogden series wasn't their best piece of work, but they got through it, and. Uh, yeah, they managed to hold off Glacier, although they are one of the hotter teams in Indy Ball, as pointed out there. So maybe yep. they have some magic in the second half. Who knows? They look to Bring be a wild. energy into it, at least. Exactly. Yeah. At the very least, they got some big wild card energy. So like to see wild that. Card. Yep. Yep. But uh, yeah, and over in the south, a little bit hairier, but Ogden splits a doubleheader. They claim their third straight first half title, which is a mm-hmm. oddly specific thing. Uh <laughs> They beat Rocky Mountain by two to get that. Uh, uh, then too exciting over there. So good for Ogden. I think that was pretty much what we kind of expected. Missoula Ogden to kind of take it. Maybe a little bit Grand Junction, who uh, didn't really wake up until it got a little bit uh, late in the game. So they may be going in the second half. But uh, yeah, situation the Pioneer. Yep. Not much else to add on that one. I mean, kind of we, we kind of saw that coming from a week or so out. Exactly. It was more or less a matter of time when, a matter of if, not to, or not a matter of if, a matter of when, not if. So, yep. there's that. 
finally out of the news. Hour and a half in, we're out of the news. Uh, contract purchases will not take 90 minutes, I assure you, because there is just a mere one from today, 713, Cam Tuller from the Billings Mustangs. He's an Angels guy now. Got his contract purchased by the Angels. Don't know where he's going to report to. I got to imagine it's like single A or something around there. Um, three and one with a 316 ERA in about 25 and two thirds innings. 40 strikeouts, six walks. Pretty damn good split there. So uh, he looks to be promising. Yep. That'll get it done. Hopefully we don't see him again. Yep. And if you do, it probably will be in Billings or. Who knows? Maybe the Atlantic League will be another one of their spurts where they're desperate for pitching. They'll be like, do you want to pitch for Staten Island? I mean, putting up good numbers in the Pioneer is a good sign, at least. Yeah, you I know, mean, it is. Like it when they're like, uh, yeah, there, there's been some sketchier choices made. Why? When we started using Division Three pitchers in the in the Atlantic League, we're going to call that sketchy? Bro, that was a tough year, man. Speaking of the Frontier League, that's where our series of the week is. And it's Quebec versus Sussex County. Something that we originally both thought, oh, Quebec's going to Sussex. And then I was like, oh, no, Sussex is going to leave after playing a three-game homestand this weekend, go up to Quebec, then come back down to play a team. That makes sense. It's a choice. Yeah. Reasoning behind this decision, uh, at least for us picking the series of the week, don't really know what the actual decision is for putting that series where it was. There's one game between the two of them. It's a tight playoff race. And... Uh, I think it's fair to say Quebec's been uh, riding a hot streak, maybe helped by the schedule a little bit. And uh, Sussex has had a little bit of a tough golf as of late. Maybe a victim of New Jersey on the 4th of July. But, you know, it's an interesting series nonetheless. We get to see if Quebec's still legitimate. They are winners of five in a row. Uh, two against the Three Rivers, three against Empire State, like I said, schedule maybe, you know, I don't know. Uh, they've won nine of the last 11, never forget, series. Uh, two of... Oh, my God. <laughs> I want to see what you're going to say. Jesus, Nick. I just am saying. Bro, that's a Ryan thing to say. Yeah. See, the problem is you're wearing off of me. It's a problem. I'm yep, waiting to walk into my on. house one day with an intervention waiting for me. They tell me to take my shoes off at the door. I'm just going to book it. But... Uh, It'll come. Yeah, uh, that since uh, the start of uh, June, uh, since that same period, since June 3rd, uh, they're 22 and 11, 18 and 9 at home, which being the home team matters. They are also six games about 500 in conference play, and they have scored five plus runs in every July win so far. So that's the situation mm -hmm. on the uh, Capital side over in Sussex County, three and four in July. Again, not a great series against. Uh, the Jackals, they managed to kind of rebound against uh, the Wild Things, although they did drop a game there. Not great on that front. Minus seven run differential in July. 17 five or more run games since June, which is a positive. They are putting up runs. That's a sign. That's good there. Uh, last a win against a winning team, though, at least that I could find as of now, was June 25th against Schaumburg, which is an impressive win. I will say that. And I think... While they were losing some games to Ottawa, Ottawa was a winning team technically. I don't know for certain because currently they're 25 and 26. So they're about a 500 team. Make of that what you will. Uh, also, they are 2-1 and one against Quebec. Although, again, the last time they played was the first day of June. So it was very much early in the season at that point. 
12 and 14 on the road, 17 and 11 in conference. So very similar in conference records. Quebec's a better home team than uh, the Miners are a road team. Feels like kind of an even series, but for whatever reason, I get the sense the Miners are the better team. Um, yeah, I mean, my main concern with them is that so far their strength really has, has I mean, not that the offense has been bad, but um, the strength has been the pitching. I mean, I mean, honestly, the hitting hasn't been great. It, they've been scored four point, what, six, four and two thirds runs a game. Uh, they're, but their pitching is holding teams second best runs per game, at least, uh, holding teams to 4.3 runs per game. But over the last 15, they're allowing about six plus per game. And that includes three games where they pretty much smoothly handled Empire State. So, um, that is kind of where I see some things going sideways on them. So, I mean, Quebec's a tough team to turn that around against, and I think that's something that is definitely dangerous. Um, I mean, what Quebec is fifth best offense in the league right now. So, yeah, um, and they're hot. I mean, your right competition has not been great when I'm uh, playing Quebec, but, you know, 25 runs, was it 30, 36 runs in the last five games is still, you know, you're, you're going into this one feeling pretty good. Yeah, but assuming it's they State. at least hold their own against the Boulders. Yeah, that's the thing. They have Quebec has three against uh, the Boulders on the road. So that's at Pomona. Uh, Sussex County got three at home in uh, where they play Augusta. That's where they play. Yeah, Windy City. Yeah, against Windy City. I I knew they played Windy City. I was trying to remember where the stadium was. Uh, yeah, but any case, so ideally Sussex County would have some momentum going into that. Quebec probably has a more yeah. uphill climb. I think New York's second in the division as of the time we're recording. So, you know, a more difficult challenge there. This is kind of that end period that I mentioned about a month ago where Quebec's going into a very easy stretch of their schedule. This is where they're going to eat. They got to make their wins now. We're about to go into that really tough part for from now pretty much to the end of the year. So these are the kind of series you got to win. You got to win the series against New York and Sussex. If you can do that, I start to like your playoff odds, right? Because now you're proving to me you can beat these good teams. You're proving to me you're correcting some of the issues that you had early on. And I definitely think Quebec is capable of it. I think they have a lot of really good players. Crawl's a guy that immediately pops out. TJ White is a player. Coach has done a lot of really positive things. Profar is another dude that comes to mind. Montescalo, I know I'm naming a lot of their all-stars and whatnot, but these are obviously their best players, and they have performed. Right. And I have confidence in that staff. They have done it before, that they can turn it around. Um, certainly, uh, Sussex County also is no slouch. They have, they had what, six all-stars named? So they have a lot of talent there. Chris Wedger has done a fantastic job in year one, an all-star manager, too, at that. So it speaks volumes to the job he's done. He seemingly hasn't missed a beat at all. So that's that's a huge vote of confidence there. And his team is in a bit of an interesting position, right? They were a first-place team for a large chunk of the, of the first half of the year. And then New Jersey kind of passed them. And then Rockland kind of passed them, and now they're kind of right in the middle of things in a very crowded upper half of the East Division. So it it means something, at least in the case of you can't drop games to teams you're right neck and neck with. And I feel like for Quebec, this is kind of a prove-it series where we are legit, we are the Quebec team we normally are. In the case of Sussex County, this is a 
we're still a top team, we're still a team to be taken seriously uh, kind of setup. Yeah, and I think it's also interesting looking at it. Uh, that Rockland series is actually a little bit bigger than you might have realized. It's uh, Rockland, New York. Um, the Rockland they stuff. are actually both three and a half games back. They are sitting fourth and fifth in that division. And they're both a half game back of the last playoff spot. So that is a big one, just going into that. And that also presents the possibility of you know burning some pitching, trying to get those wins ahead of what we're already targeting also as a big series. So that definitely shows some room for discomfort there. It definitely does. So big week for Quebec coming up. I think it's safe to say big the next week. seven days are, are huge for them. And honestly, would I be out of my mind to say that the next 10 days to two weeks are possibly make or break for their season? Um. I think as long as we acknowledge, I think as long as we acknowledge that there's a third option as well. I mean, I think if they kind of split that thing down the middle, they'll be fine. Um, I think if they win, if they if they drop six of these, I think they're in trouble. I think if they win six of these, I think they're in really good shape. But anything in between, or like uh, maybe even seven, I don't know. But if it's in the middle, I think they're they're going to hold their own because most of the teams around them will probably also split something like that. So the only. Um, the only counter I would make to that is I think that very much depends on what Tri-City and New Jersey do. Uh, yeah, that's fair. I'll, I'll give you that. Because I, I think too, right there too. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. And even maybe this is weird, but maybe just what the Jackals do to an extent too, because mm. the Jackals, they could put it in a situation. So Sussex, Tri-City, New York, and Quebec are all within a half game of each other for two playoff spots. But New Jersey went three games ahead, so they're all battling those five for three. But yeah. Jersey starts pulling ahead. If they get like a weak lead here, I mean, all of a sudden it is, uh, there are only two spots up for grabs at that. Then again, if they struggle and they come back, well, all of a sudden now, okay, it's five teams fighting for three. It's a much different energy. So I think so much of it, there's so many moving parts in that division right now. It's really, and it's funny comparing it to the West division as well, where, the three playoff teams are within three and a half games of each other. And then it's what almost eight games to get yeah. back to the fourth place team. Like it's, that's almost wrapped up. Um, yeah. I think we see where the action is going to be finishing out the year for the, uh, the frontier. Yeah. I mean like the turntables have certainly turned on the uh, <laughs> frontier league where the first like month of the season was like, Oh, well the West is just the superior division. It's not even particularly close. And then the East just kind of like turned it on and said, Oh Yeah. Is that so? And I was like, well, I don't even really care what's happening in the West because there's like four good teams over there, if that. And if we want to really be generous, it's like maybe a fifth. But even then, it's like not particularly. They're playing a two-half system over there where three of those teams can just be like, well, all right, we're positioning ourselves for playoffs now. Yeah, but it's time to spare the good arms. But... Yeah, so it's it's interesting how that's flipped there. So I, I'm certainly interested to see this. The last month of the year, that August month where it's all in division play, is going to be wild in the Frontier mm-hmm. League East because yeah. so much could happen. It's going to be a war zone. Oh, God. Especially like for a team like Quebec. If you look at them, they really have a rough road. I've mentioned it before, but they have a lot yeah. of Tri City, New Jersey, I think a healthy dose of Sussex too. They don't have a lot of Ottawa or Three Rivers on there. So it's like, okay, you got to yeah, run through the they gauntlet. Could, they 
So working backwards, they close the season with Ottawa. So okay. before that, they have the Boulders. Before that, they have Sussex. Before that, they have Tri-City. Boulders, Tri-City, and then they have Trois-Rivières. But that is one, two, three. That's 18 games. So like three full weeks out, even maybe more than that. We're actually looking about four weeks out almost. This is the first time they really – it's really the last time they play a team that's non-competitive currently. And, yeah. I mean, not – yeah, it sounds harsh, but yeah. – in the standings, it's, we'll the, go with it's the reality of it. They're just they're too far out. Yeah, but honestly, though, that's the thing about them, and this could be something I'm going to revisit and think. Oh, well, this is a really dumb thing to ever say a month from now. But the ending with Ottawa could be the difference for them between making a miss in the postseason, right? Because let's say you're you hold your own for the best majority of the rest of the month and the beginning of August. And you go in and you're, say, a game and a half back of Tri-City and a game back of uh, New York. I don't think that's a crazy situation to find yourself in. No, reasonable. Yeah. You take two of three from Tri-City right there. You take two of three from New York, again, Winning four of six games is not a crazy thing to think from a Quebec team. You pass them. So, yeah. you know, you have Ottawa there. I don't know what Tri-City finishes with. I don't know what New Jersey and Sussex finish with. But let's say it's between Tri-City and Quebec for that final playoff spot. I can't imagine that Tri-City has a much easier end to the year unless they're drawing three rivers or Empire State. Yeah, and talk about also the importance of, you know, if the Jackals can check out here a little bit, if they find a way to get on another run and then just sort of get, like I said, like a week of games between them and the teams behind, that puts them in a spot where they're prepping for a playoff run. They already get a bye in the first round, and everyone else would be potentially playing like multiple playoff series, like playoff intensity level series, Mm. uh, trying to just get their spot. I mean, that could really give them a leg up going into things if that plays out that way. So, I mean, that's extra motivation for playing them too. Like you need to keep that team close if you want to really, you know, compete because you're going to need your pitching fresh or at the very least you're going to need their pitching not completely fresh with the way their offense hits the ball. Mm. And it gets hot or not, Quebec's in there. As you could probably guess, seven and three in their last 10 five game winning streak. Only lost one series since the 26th of June. That'll get you a list as a hot team. Yep. Uh, hot with some help, I'd say. Yeah. They do a good job this week. They get ranked. Do they? Oh, oh yeah. I'm sorry. I thought you were saying like it happened. Um, oh, yeah. I think so. They're so close. Yeah. Because I had them ranked this week. I don't remember where I had them. I think it was nine or 10, but. Yeah, I think they missed by like a spot. I can pull that real quick, but okay. um, they were really close. They, they, what? They were the only team that got votes that didn't get in, I believe. Yeah, well, according to the graphic, Lincoln was both ranked and unranked. Look, so. look, 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 look. I, I do things late night. We know this. So, you know, well, everyone's no watching. It's, it's, it's midnight and we're recording the show. <laughs> no shit, you do stuff late yeah, night. Yeah, we suck. I'm still like, how can I do a daily recap for a go to bed? Because <laughs> I hate myself. Psychoanalyze that. Someone give us a detailed psychological breakdown. 
Please don't do that because there will be a. I'll oh I'll give you a psychological breakdown. <laughs> uh, do it down in Boca. That'll be good for you. Uh, yeah, that'll be <laughs> so refreshing. Uh, um, thank God. I'm trying to pull. I, yeah. I just got it. so. Yeah, they were. Yeah, they were right behind. Uh, they were the 11th team in a ranking. They were right behind uh, Lincoln. They got a 10th and a 9th ranking. So this that's, is anti French Canadian discrimination. That's what this is. Look, man, I don't know what to tell you. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh, God. I'm, I'm surprised Missoula didn't chirp me for not ranking them again, but they didn't deserve it this time. No, they didn't. They they were they they gotta finally beat started Ogden, to start man. talking about it after like the worst week of the season. I was like, get beat it. I think I mentioned in one of my uh, videos this week. I was like, yeah, they're on their like worst stretch of the year. They've won six out of ten. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I got terrible six hundred winning percentage. Just it's so below them. God, how can they manage? Oh God, a slash job in jeopardy after going six. For their six and four in their last stat. How how does this affect LeBron's legacy? I don't Jordan would never go six and four. It is crazy though that they're that good and they've been that good consistently and they're still yeah. only up like four games in the division, which I know. I it mean four games. Volumes about good Glacier, though. Yeah, man. They've been getting after it after not the best start as I recall. I can look that up. Yeah, no, they I respect it. They've they've done well. Glacier we're gonna talk about Glacier in just a second, so you Oh hold your horses on that, but uh, let's Hold finish it. up this Frontier League discussion, shall we, with Florence. Okay. They're a cold team. They're very cold. I mean, they're cold than the Glaciers are. Um, they're over the last 10. They've lost 11 yeah. straight. They've been swept by New York, Gateway, Windy City, Tri-City, all since the 17th of June. They have lost series to New York, Gateway, Windy City, Tri-City, as you could all guess, but also Sussex County, also Evansville and also Three Rivers. That's since the 13th of June. Not a very good two months for the uh, Eals. Their last series win came on June 20th. They did manage to secure that. Uh, they've had two five-plus run games, four. So they've scored five or more runs in only two games since the 25th of June. And however, they have allowed uh, five or more runs against 19. Teen times since the 17th of June. As you could imagine, it has been a rough patch for the Yalls. Yeah, and, and I think the concerning thing, we talked about them last year as a cold team, or last year, last week as a cold team, uh, but I did also point out that they had a tough stretch drop on them right as they had the Monday, which is usually an off day, but with the 4th July holiday, it wasn't a holiday. Uh, it wasn't a day off, rather, for them. Uh, they played, and all of a sudden, like, you know, things compounded. I think they got 15 runs during the extra day. Um, and, and it's just tough when, you you know, you get in that rhythm, you, you count those days off, and it just, you know, it, it attacks them. And then, But you're hoping after the break they come back with something, but then getting smacked for, what is that, 23, 29 over three games, almost 10 runs per game yeah. uh, in your first three back from the break. I mean, that's just not – It's I mean, not good sounds stupid, but – it's a bad sign. Uh, I talked not- a little bit about uh, Chad Rhodes, uh, the manager. I think Chad is, I think any manager deserves two seasons. I think, um, mm. unless, like, obviously there's, like, an out-of-hand, like, clubhouse situation. He just cannot manage people. It's a different problem. But um, I think the vibes are super good with him. Uh, if there's somebody who can handle a team going through a bad stretch, I feel like he's probably solid with it. 
Um, and, you know, I've talked about the learning curve of it's like a first manager job, especially in indie balls. It's tough. Um, so I think, you know, I think he'll grow a little bit through this. I think he'll do okay. I think the guys will probably, the guys that he's like, he knows he wants to keep with him for, you know, running it back next year. We'll, we'll probably learn and grow through this. So hopefully they can make the best of it. But I will say the concern is we have a guy from the pitching side managing and you're getting smacked like this off, uh, other teams offenses that, you know, that is not what you want to see to say and to put it lightly, but I'm hoping he can turn that around. Hoping they take positives out of this, but it's, uh, Getting a little difficult. They got Jersey around the corner, man. They they oh. got to cash in this wild thing series coming up. Yeah, that's that's almost a series to watch in of itself, right? I mean, that's two teams that are just not getting started this year. I definitely talked about the Boulder series being after a break, and I realized that made it unclear what Brady was talking about. Not the Ulster break. Monday was their off day again, right? Monday, yeah. whatever the sixth was. What was the sixth? What day is it now? The fourteenth. Yeah, God, six was a Thursday. That was a Thursday day off. Good Lord. Uh, So that Thursday, I'm so used to the Mondays that threw me. So, but then they came back on the weekend and got hit hard. So hopefully they can come back uh, from uh, that chaos and actually turn it around. That'll be on Friday night first game against Washington, which is a good team to turn around against. They're playing them at home. So, definitely see. We'll see how that goes. But uh, switching over to. pair of hot teams we're going to start off with the lone atlantic league team on the list and admittedly this is probably a bit of a stretch for hot teams but spire city deserves some sort of note they won five straight to end the first half they really killed gastonia's hopes at winning the first half when you get down to it six and three in their last nine so that's pretty solid we're not going to look at the last four though we're going to ignore that and uh, they got 38 runs four in the past week so that's good this is more of a hey good job you handle business exactly like this is just we had low expectations, and you surpassed them. Good job. You had one job, and you did it. Exactly. You See? know, that's it, which very often is not the case. It's very often it's you had one job, and you did not execute it. But they did. So, hey, exactly. good to them. See, they they, they might have gotten punched yeah. in the wiener every single time they play Gastonia this year before that, but they showed up when it mattered. Exactly. They get their choice. They can either get one of those small little, like, serves maybe four people cakes that you can buy out of the case at like ShopRite or something from Carvel. Mm-hmm. They could get that or, or they can go to friendlies and get a fribble. It's their call. I'm a big fan of like the one slice of cheesecake factory cheesecake. Oh yeah. I can't say I've ever been to Move. cheesecake factory, so I can't really relate. Oh yeah. All right. We'll have to fix that eventually. <laughs> We're just going to want a poverty thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> I can see it now. It's just gonna be like next week. You want to see? You want to see Gateway play that mon- that uh, Wednesday twelve o'clock game? Dude, we'll go to the Cheesecake be- Factory afterwards. Next week, recording live from Cheesecake Factory. Okay. Better yet, we'll just I'll just call up Tuve. Tell him, hey, we're coming up to see Gateway play uh, your Boulders. First off, press credentials. I don't want to pay to get in. Secondly, I'm just going to chill in the press there. box because it seems hot out. And uh, your press box is air conditioned. So that's a huge win. If I got to do the YMCA mm. to stay in there, I got to do that. That's life. So, hey. How it goes. Exactly. I get to stay in there. I'll just type away on a Chromebook, making it look like I'm doing press-related activities. I won't be, but, you know, maybe live stream from there. Really piss off the flow sports people. 
Oh, God. It's so funny. I love that idea. Oh, Lordy. Uh, at least we don't charge $30 a month. Uh, <laughs> we wouldn't nope. get any. We probably still get more subscribers to Flow Sports. Uh, not I want to see the numbers so bad. If you have access to Flow Sports uh, viewership numbers, hey, I'll do anything. He will do I'll, anything. I'll do anything. The mountain I, man is not above anything. I'm. I don't care. I. I will. I'm all about it. It is my holy grail right now. Oh God! If you got to release those numbers, I would be so curious about them. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, you know, if I get them, they're going out. Oh, absolutely. And it won't take a glacier's pace. Speaking of glacier, they're hot. Nice. I know. I've had a couple that of they are. today. I'm happy. Melton. Uh, eight and two in their last ten. Six-game winning streak swept Idaho Falls and Billings. I guess that's good. Uh, they won series. They won a series against Ogden too. That's pretty good. That's pretty impressive. And they've only lost six series all year. And in fairness, only three of them have been to Missoula. So hey, you know, yep, that's not that's that how bad. It goes. <laughs> exactly. Like I don't have high expectations for anyone playing Missoula. So you know, good for Glacier. Now, granted, those three series losses are probably the reason why. Uh, you're not in first place right now, but hey, that's life. You can only do what you can do. Exactly. So good for Glacier. And you can't beat Missoula. So, hey, tough. Exactly. But um, if we're looking for a silver lining, oh, nope, never mind. <laughs> so you don't play Missoula for a while, lies. Uh, in about 10 days, they play them for six straight. Hey, hey, guess Whoop. what our series of the week is next week? <laughs> Time to go. Yeah, I know. I look at it. Six, they got another six against them. In, yeah, they've uh, been doing that a August. lot. We pointed that out a couple yeah. weeks ago that the Pioneer League's been uh, doing that a little bit. Yeah, and I feel like that makes more. I, I don't know. Travel wise, like maybe they should out. be. Yeah, but like those are the Montana teams. I thought that was kind of weird. Like I, it would, I feel Montana's like a big more state, they were though. squeezing in. I mean, look, Glacier, Missoula are two of the closer ones, though. I mean, five hundred miles apart is still one of the closer ones. It's still far away. Hold on. I don't know about all that now. They're not 500 miles apart. I'm just saying that 500 miles apart would still be close to like this league. Two and a half hours. Look, that's a long like the way distance to go, of like High Point and Gastonia. You think I'm traveling two and a half hours and then driving back the next day? No, thank you. Gorgeous drive, though, right down Flathead Lake. Y'all know what I'm talking about. It's gorgeous. Anyway. I don't, but okay. Not a bad drive, dude. Not a bad drive. That's what I'm saying. It's pretty so, far. At least it's scenic. They said scenic if you're going to go get smacked by Missoula. <laughs> it's scenic. Then a moose head hits you. Dude, just a 26-mile. Like, this is the fastest route. This isn't the scenic route. That's why Montana is so wild. 26 miles on Highway 35, just straight up and down uh, the the Flathead Lake right there. It's That place is gorgeous. It's crazy. Right. Montana isn't even real. What's happening out there? Y'all good out there? <laughs> it's cold out there. You know what else is cold? The, the King County Cougars. I was going to say your heart, Cougars. but you know, that works too. That place. <laughs> uh, at least you didn't lose six straight like the Cougars did. At least you're not three and seven in, their, in your last ten like the Cougars are. At least you weren't swept by the Dock Hounds. And at least you have more than three wins in the month of July. These are all things the King County Cougars cannot say. Yeah, um, King County, I mean, happens to the best of us. Uh, mostly happens to the worst of us, but it does happen to the best of us. Um, uh, yeah, I think that's 
interesting. They they were a team that they've been kind of streaky. That's off the top of my head. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm doing I'm multitasking currently because I'm looking something else up on Lake Country. Um, but they have been kind of hot and cold. Like they had moments where like, oh, here they come, and they were like, oh, that's not going to happen. And then they're back, and now I feel like we're like off them again. So who knows what next week holds for them? What happened is they lost T.J. Bennett, and that's a big part of their team. Yeah, that's a fair point. Um, that's going to hurt you. Like, they have a couple mm-hmm. other guys, you know. I think we mentioned Fox. We mentioned uh, Weston Murr. So, you know, there's guys. But, like, again, you need more than a couple of guys. So, like, that's going to be a problem for them. Yeah, it's definitely not the most complete roster going around right now. I think that's definitely uh, it's definitely what's getting exposed here, right? I mean, yeah. uh, that's times. one of those teams where I am, yeah, I'm just, and honestly, I'm checking here. I think, hmm, oh, I don't know how words work. It's okay, guys. Um yeah, I'm trying to also see am I just completely making up the history of Payne County season here? Um, but I feel like that's what was happening every time it looks up. Um, I'm also doing some research here on the Lake Country thing. He's getting ready for our next team, the last team in this segment. Pack we'll mention Lake Country now that it's brought up. Eight and two in the last ten. Only uh, six losses since the 24th of June. Uh, they swept Kane County, as previously mentioned, and they got series wins as of recent against Chicago, Gary, Kane County, obviously, and Sioux City, which is another team that's been hot as I believe, eight and two as well. Yeah. Not on a winning streak, but they've gotten themselves back in the playoff contention. And Lake Country, don't look now, but they are, if I'm not mistaken, the fourth team in their division, which puts them in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, I was going to say with Lake Country, too. I mean, they're at, what, I think 25? I want to say 25 and 22 since the manager change. It worked. I didn't think that. Did. Who would have thought? Joe Don't Bennett know what was, was going on there. I wouldn't have expected I'm still not saying the vibes were good, so I'm saying it was Jim Bennett's fault, but something's up. I don't know. Um, um, I, again, but no. it is good. I mean, All I'm going to hey, say man, is because I like to throw fuel on the fire. Not that I know oh, anything, God. but. He went from manager of the year to not working for the Fargo Moorhead Redhawks. Now it worked out for them because I believe it was Chris Coast that came in after him. But you know, yeah, I'm just saying. Coasty. How many Coasty, guys? Baby. Yeah, I'm just saying. How yeah. many guys go from manager of the Re- year? To, Reggie Harris theory. Yeah, where it's like maybe yeah. something wasn't quite right. Maybe. Um, I don't know. Not not going to give too much of that. Maybe I'll do a little digging. We'll see. Yeah. Well, we'll go on to get through these last two segments, so that way I only have like two and a half hours of audio to edit tomorrow. Um, oh, Christ. Yeah, we're already at two hours and twelve and a half minutes. Dude. And you know, we're doing a hell of a job staying on topic. We're screwed. <laughs> oh, good. You can have good trimmings, though. That's the really important thing. Am I? We'll see. That's the thing. I trim off like an extra episode for you every week. Like a really solid did. 40 minutes. You really did. It's crazy. <laughs> Any kiss. Crystal Ball. Uh, these are three that, again, I finished at about 8 o'clock. We recorded at 9 o'clock, so, you know, you can make do with what you do. West Division wins the American Association All-Star Game. My reasoning for this, 
Quite literally, I wrote, I don't know, vibes, I guess. Who? who? West which, Division. Which of it? West. Oh, okay. All right. Um, hmm. I don't know. Hmm. Vibes, I guess. Yeah, I think so. Oh, uh, God. Yeah, you know what? I mean, I'm willing to go that way. No, shoot. Am I? I don't know. <laughs> Ugh, God. I don't know. This yeah, no, you're right. You're completely show. right. You're definitely right. Yeah. I'm definitely going the West Division. And I'm going the West Division by uh, over, by more than two and a half. Damn, he's combining props and crystal ball, which admittedly are very I'm similar sections. I'm out here getting after it. See, this is my favorite part of the show, too, because I come up with this stuff like kind of on the fly. There's not much thought into it. And then you start way overthinking it because I make like one or two points that are like, they're not terrible points, actually. I'm just here to make life difficult. Yeah. Um, second one. I think that Pete Zimmerman going to rake in New York. This is a dude. He's slashing 371, 500, 743, 16 home runs. He's going to get to play at Clover Park for a series, and then he gets to go to Skylands for a minute. I think he's going to have a good week. Yeah, I think so too. Sample size is big enough at this point. I wasn't totally sold on him early in the year, but now I'm pretty much on board. Yeah. Dude's got power. He's going to be in a ballpark. Yeah, I think he's. Place. Yeah, I think Gateway made an awesome call keeping him around. I think he, you know, he was bouncing back from basically playing college ball uh, in 2020, barely, and then not playing in 2021. And he had a bad season in 2022. His first, like, full season of baseball in three years, first pro season. Like, I think they stu- they saw something and they stuck with it. It's, they deserve a lot of credit on that one. This is why we don't doubt Steve Brook. The man knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That being said, while I think Zimmerman's going to be hammering home runs, I think Gateway's going to get hammered by these East teams because they're 3-6 and six versus non-Grays East teams. That's very important. The Grays should not count to this equation. It's yep. just not fair. Uh, and they play Eastern opponents for nine of their next 12 games. That's New York, that's Sussex, and then it's Quebec. Uh, admittedly, the Quebec series is at home, and Quebec goes there after playing the Yalls for three. Now, granted, I don't think the Yalls are really going to be giving Quebec too many fits. If they are, Quebec is in for a bad stretch in August, but that's a, a whole other issue entirely. I just think we're going to find out here, are these West teams for real or are they just like good for the West? Quebec, they probably got their best shot against probably the weakest of the three, in my opinion. Not by much, but I think they are. Plus road trip at home, it it adds up for them. New York and Sussex could get bad. It could very well get bad. And I get it. You're getting the start on Tuesday against the Boulders. And then you go right to Sussex, so it's not like it's that far of a road trip to go from Pomona, New York, to Augustus, New Jersey. It's like 45 minutes, hour and a half tops, so nothing. But I just think that these Eastern teams are a higher quality of team, and I think we're going to find that out for, for a fact this week, and I think Gateway gets hammered. What hammered is, I guess, of those nine games they play, Three and six would be getting hammered. So I'm thinking, I think they do pull out a four and five, but I think at least three, uh, I think the four are going to be close, and I think at least three of the five are not going to be close. Okay. 
Do you, you know what I mean? Yeah. I think it's it's gonna they're gonna go four and five, but it's gonna feel more like a three and six. All right. Well, what series is they are they gonna win? Are you thinking? Um, you know, I think they have a shot with um, God, that that gateway See, in New York drive is so long. I want. But they have say, the off day though. Yeah, I'm tempted to think they take two from the Boulders. If not, I think they they manage to steal the two from Sussex one way or another. That's the thing. Um, I feel like it's either Quebec or Sussex because Sussex. I agree. I, I, on it. I guess I'd be confident enough to say I think they take three out of those six and then they drop two to Quebec. Okay, I could see that. Like, here's the thing. I think for Quebec, it could be more of vi- the, the reason why two. Quebec's got to drive out to uh, Florence. Once they get mm-hmm. done, that's a long drive going from Quebec to uh, to Kentucky. So that could be a so-so series against the Y'alls. That's why the Y'alls got a shot in it. But then from there, after playing those three, they got to go off to uh, to Gateway. So basically St. Louis. That's another long drive. So you're going to have drive fatigue, game fatigue, schedule ahead of you and recently behind you fatigue. Against a team that's still a good team. Don't get me wrong. I may sound like I'm being hard on Gateway. They're still a good team. They're probably still top five in the league. I just think they're, you know, like somewhere like three, four, or five. Uh, so yeah, that's kind of where they line up there. So I just see a situation where Quebec, especially if they get into a bad game in Florence where they got to use their bullpen, that could be a situation where you drop that one. And the last game on that road trip, after all the traveling, that's going to be a tough one too. So I could see Gateway taking two there. I just yeah. don't see a, a good time in New York, and I don't see a great time in Sussex. Yeah, I do agree. I think it's. I think this whole thing. I think this could expose not only Gateway, but maybe even the whole division. Yeah, I will say one thing that they do have going for them in that Sussex series, if I'm right. This the Quebec one up in Canada before it for them. And that's midweek. So they're going to have to go from that Thursday game in Quebec back to New Jersey to play that uh, Friday game against Gateway. So in theory, while, yeah, Gateway is going from New York to somewhere else, so they're already a road team, they're not traveling nearly as much. So that's a huge yeah. plus in their favor. So I could see them taking get that game one. Games two and three, I don't know about that. Yeah, it's also kind of how I was reading that too. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm still sticking with my four out of five, but mm, this feels yeah, like it could very well go either way, though. I could definitely see it going. I agree. Either. I would not be surprised if they take five. I would not be surprised if they only if they drop six. Yeah. So we'll see how that goes. We'll wrap this up. I'm gonna have a fun time editing and fixing things. So uh, you can go ahead, plug what you need to plug, and then I'll plug what I need to plug, and then we'll get out of here. And hopefully, I'm asleep before one thirty. Oh, man. Uh, Indie Ball Nation, social media, YouTube. Uh, got all sorts of random stuff going. Should have a daily recap unless I just am too tired tonight. Uh, but I'm trying to get, this should be the weekend, I'm trying to get back to doing some weekend recaps. So we'll see how that goes. And uh, I've been posting the, uh, essentially, outtakes like the clipping, the cutting room floor editions from the leftovers of this uh, episode that Nick is so kind to send me. So that's going out. That's audio only. You and I have done a couple sort of short videos that are going to be YouTube only. So definitely follow on everything. And then we'll, uh, you'll get lots more Ryan and Nick, which sounds vaguely like a threat, but I promise it's not. 
Uh, it's a punishment is what it is. But uh, In so many ways. If only there's a way we could do GeoGuessr for ballparks, too. Now, that would be something else. Ooh. Ooh, we probably could, though. We'll talk about it. We definitely could. No, it's, we could definitely do it. I got oh, it. That's good content right there. That's good content. It's something. <laughs> it's something. Probably good <laughs> content. Who knows? Could it be worse than this? Possibly, but doubtful. So. Oh, God. As long as it doesn't take this long. Yeah. That's the problem. We put a timer on those short videos, too, for 10 minutes, and we were clipping the edge on that. And we had to bump one to, like, 15 or 20 minutes, and we still ran over. I mean, yeah, it's pretty miraculously close to all things considered. Yeah, but to be fair, too, the one we ran over was, like, a rebrand thing. And also, like, in the case of Winnipeg, had I seen that old logo they were running with this week, like, Mm. I may have been a bit more harsher to that new one because that old logo, kind of fire. Kind of great. I liked it. Yeah, I, yeah. I kind of want to see it come back. Got some character. Wouldn't hate it. Exactly. <laughs> I wouldn't hate it either. Although uh, they got to do something better with the shape of Manitoba in the background. It just, it's too square. And I get it. We can't yeah. just, I don't, at least I should say, I don't think the gold eyes have the kind of pull to change the provincial borders of Manitoba. Maybe the Jets could do it. Doubt that the gold eyes could. But uh, if we could do something with that, be a little bit better. Maybe if we could get an outline of Winnipeg, that could be something. Or if Winnipeg's kind of circular-ish, get rid of the circle, make it an outline of Winnipeg instead. That could be kind of cool. Add some character to it. Just saying possibility. How you doing, man? How your plugs come along? Exactly. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah, plugs. (laughs) Well, you know, I just kind of put in. Hair's regrown. That's good. <laughs> yeah. That's looking classy. I know. That Bosley ad just, it really spoke to me. Um, yep. But, uh, yeah, you can just find the show wherever you find it. Uh, you know, Indie Ball Report. Put it into Google. You'll find most of the stuff. Twitter, Indie Ball Pod there. But everything else, Indie Ball Report. Instagram. Threads. Because that's still a thing. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> I like how for like 48 hours we're all like, Threads is so taken down Twitter. And then we're all like, no, Elon was right. We are addicted to this shit. It's just all the followers are already there. It's, it's too know, easy. And the interface is kind of better. And like, I get kind of like a weird, like slight half second of anxiety when I like go to retweet something on Threads and it says reposted or posted. It's like, wait, posted? Like, I know that's what it is, but, like, when I see, like, sent tweet or retweet, it doesn't have the same kind of, like, little bit of anxiety there. So, like. Yeah, I just think, yeah. They also haven't had, I mean, Twitter's been doing years of doing things and be like, oh, no, that doesn't work as well. And then I think probably Threads comes in with some, like, hot ideas of, like, oh, we're going to do this and this, but they don't know that there's already reasons that that doesn't happen. Yeah. I'm just hoping that uh, everything goes belly up and someone that knows what they're doing can buy Twitter on the cheap. That'd be the best yeah, case scenario. Be boy out, that's for sure. Working yeah. at it for a living. So you're just praying for a particular individual in the tech field's downfall? I, mean, I hate to say it out loud, but yes, absolutely. I mean, a lot of people are saying it out loud, so I don't think it's that controversial to take. I guess so. I'm just, 
Not so much stuff. Just stop. There's so many actual issues. What are we doing? So here's what I could do. $7 a month. Check mark. Like, I would just rather put a wood, like a, uh, or an ice pick through my eye, dude. <laughs> what are we doing? I'm so tired of having to keep up with what's going on. <laughs> don't, just don't, just let me have my baseball stuff. Just don't. Like, what life is so dumb? Just describe Why? everyone 40 and younger. It's just like, I'm just so tired of trying. Why do I have to? Yeah, please don't involve me. Do whatever nonsense you want as long as it doesn't involve me. Uh, it's like it was easier before. It was harder, but it was easier. Mm-hmm. There was less taxing on the mind. But less taxing on the mind. Yeah. Any case, subscribe where you find the shows. Do that. You know, that's all I got. Till yeah, next time. I'm checked. <laughs> Till next time. Don't forget <laughs> to play ball.